Welcome to the Fire Church Podcast. Today we pray Holy Spirit will speak through this message and into your life right where you are. You know what? I went to the back of the church and I was just looking out over all of you and thinking, oh, I really feel connected to these people. Like I really just feel at home here. And it's interesting, I've obviously been in the building before, but I've also been at Fire Church in the old building. And I just looked around and I went, gee, this is my family. This is a really nice family. So just thank you for having me. I love being with you. The worship was amazing and the atmosphere, but just the welcome, just the number of hugs I got. Thank you so much. I really loved it. Well, firstly, we've got to find out, is there anybody that's rocked in today and you decided to come just because someone invited you? Because the first thing I do is I make friends. Colin, I might need you, my love, because it's going to be a bit hard for me to run down there. But if there's anybody that's here today, I want to give you chocolate. If you haven't come before, put your hand up if you haven't been here before, you get chocolate. That's it. Come and give us a wave. What's better than a new friend? A new friend with chocolate. Exactly. And I don't know if you know much about me, but whenever I go to church, I always have a handbag full of lollies. I never have any trouble finding people to sit next to me. Always, thanks you, sweetheart. Always have supplies. And the interesting part about chocolate is that chocolate is just really a gift to give to another. You know, we should always carry something ready to give. I think this is part of what God taught me right at the beginning. It's that always turn up with your gifts ready to give. And sometimes your gift is a smile or a word of encouragement, but it is nice to have something in your bag that you can just share with people. I mean, they even use it on the ads, don't they, with that young boy giving the girl that's crying a bit of chocolate. But it's a reminder of we're thinking of one another. Hey, look, I'm standing in the worship thinking, All these thoughts are running through my head because when Pastor Alex said, would you speak about your experience of revival? I went, where will I start? I feel like my whole life has been matted with revival. Like, because when you look up the word revival and it talks about being strengthened, being revived or being awakened to the presence of God, being awakened to the awareness of God. And I thought, wow, That's how I began. I mean, at 26, when a tennis player led me to Jesus, I was a nightclub promoter. I was getting young people into the nightclub. And then I literally just gave my heart to God. And then I was trying to get the young people out of the nightclub. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty funny that God would make it that clear. And I did, I literally left the nightclub and I started going into the schools talking to young people. Because I'm trained as a sports psychologist and I did teaching as a physical education and French teacher. What a combo, hey? I was teaching them how to say javelin in French. (laughs) And I just love the fact that God has this sense of humour about life. Because you know what? When Pastor Lee's introducing me and saying, look, I've spoken with two American presidents and there's two vice presidents. Then I was thinking to myself, as you were saying it, I wonder why I haven't spoken with Prime Ministers in Australia. And then I realised, oh, I was living in the Prime Minister's house. I don't know if you know this, 
But when we first went to buy a house together, Colin and I, we went to a place called Sandringham, which we weren't very familiar with, but one of the agents was showing us around and showed us this house. And we went, yeah, that would probably work for us, but it was a bit expensive, so we didn't, we didn't put an offer in. And then about seven months later, another guy showed us the house and the price had dropped. We went, oh, maybe we'll put an offer in for it. And we found out it was Bob Hawke's old house. So just think about this. So we walk in and he's showing all the things and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he says, and that's Bob Hawke's bar. And I looked at my husband and went, that's got to go. <laughs> and we were laughing because the guy's sort of selling it as an upsell and we're thinking it of a takeout. And if you didn't know, like we moved into that house, we moved into a local primary school, started a prayer group for the mums in the school. And that house was used as a prayer centre for 25 years. And I laugh as I look back and go, because Bob's um, daughter did come and visit us at one stage and say, can I just have a look through the old family house? And we sat for three hours and just chatted about what happened in that house and how life rolled out in that house. And I just explained to her how God had used that house as a place of blessing in that community. And she was really encouraged. So look, you know, when we talk about revival, awakening, it's when things turn around. So from the very moment I literally was introduced to God, I mean, my life was turned around. It was like I went from that direction to that direction. So step one, does anyone need a bit of a turnaround at the moment? Just give me a wave. Yeah, good. Okay. So the first thing you have to do, if you know anything about transformation or change, is you have to be completely honest about where you're at. You can't go from where you are to where you want to be unless you're completely honest about where you're at. When you're honest about where you're at, you can shift. Now, the psychologists know that, but Jesus was teaching it 2,000 years ago, so it's taken us a little while to catch up. So you understand you must be honest about where you're at because once you do that, you can repent. One of the big signs of revival is when you actually can see what you've done wrong. Now, for some of us, it wasn't hard. How many of you besides me, it wasn't hard to see what you'd done wrong? <laughs> Give me a big wave. Like, yeah, that was me. Correct. So that's most of us. We're very aware of what we didn't do. It wasn't building anything really beautiful. It was just sort of self-focused most of the time. I mean, I love that about revival. God saves us from ourselves. And I was thinking, wow. So what were some of the touch points of revival? For me. Well, firstly, when I got saved, I would go forward for prayer every week because I actually recognised at 26 years of age that I needed to have my brain washed. Like my brain wasn't very clean. And so I needed to come forward and have prayer. So every time I went to church, I would come forward and I would, I would get prayed for and I would cry a lot. Like, and I still remember the very first time I prayed with the tennis player. He was partnering my brother in the tournaments around Australia. And I'd said to him, what is it that you've got that I haven't got? And he said, I've got Jesus. And I went, oh. And I said, I'm not sure if I want that. You know, because I didn't really understand what he was saying. And by the time he left 10 weeks later, he said, you just need to start. Like just... 
a little step forward, Lisa. He said, let's just pray a little prayer. So this is my first prayer. God, if you can do something with my life, you can have it. This is a very dangerous prayer to pray. Like it was just a little step. I was leaning in. I loved what he had. I loved how he lived and I wanted what he had, but I had absolutely no idea how to get there. But that little prayer, that was the opening of the floodgates of tears. I cried a bucket of tears that day. It was like I was suddenly completely aware of all the stuff that I had done. And I I can see it was a real gift to be able to cry because some people don't find it easy to cry. And I, would, I really felt like he was washing away my mistakes, just letting them go. And that was the beginning. But then it just continued because I'd go to church every week and I would keep, I'd keep crying. I mean, and all the ministers who prayed for me, they knew Lisa's going to cry. <laughs> 18 months of tears. And then something happened in our church. There was a breakout. There was laughter. I'm like, I want that. Forget these tears, I want the laughter. But I would get prayed for And this was a really strange thing that would happen to me. I would come forward for prayer and I would start running on the spot. Like that. And then it would go like this. And of course, I'm not aware of time passing. So there were times when I would run for 20 minutes like that. At the stage, like right here on the spot. I just kept going. I had no aware of the time, but my husband would tell me, you've been there a long time. (laughs) And God had said to me, you know, you'll run around the world for me. Again, I didn't have any idea what that would look like. But running was a, a manifestation for me. And I, you know, I wasn't that fit. That's the ironic part. It wasn't like in the natural. And then I went to a church, Christ Church Dingley. It's an Anglican church where my friends who are over there, hi friends, my friends, they were like young adult pastors there at the time. And it was something happening in that church was extraordinary. The pastor had been really burnt out and he'd gone to Toronto. You'd heard about the Toronto blessing. So he'd gone to Toronto to see what was happening over there. It's like a church right near the airport. And he'd got completely touched by God, transformed, came back and revival broke out in that Anglican church. I don't remember how long it was for, but I remember going a lot. Like it was six nights a week. It was just happening and it was months and months. Do you have any idea how long that lasted? No, just a long time. And one thing, one night I I'm, I'm, got prayed for, And I ran out the door (laughs) and I ran down the street and I just kept running. It was a long way. And then I realised I need to run back. (laughs) I wasn't in running gear, but all the time God was talking to me and giving me an ability to run that I really didn't have. And so I looked at that and I used to just... um, I just hold it in my heart. I wonder, I wonder what God's doing in me. Like, you know, when you don't know, but I was very open to the things of God. I wasn't really close to seeing the things of God happen. And you know, one, one of the reasons was um, 
the pastor's wife was very, very formal. She was very demure and elegant. And in a service one night, in a beautiful pink suit, she fell over and started laughing. And I'm watching her, and then she rolled under the seats. Like this is, com- like this is completely out of character. Nothing could make this woman do this except God. And I watched and I thought, God is doing something extraordinary here. And I can either step in, I can lean in, or I can lean back. Now, I don't know if you know anything about reviving marriages, but when my husband and I went to counselling, one of the first things they taught us, so when you're in conflict, you need to lean into each other. They said, what you wanna do is this. So you're talking, but you're talking like this. Do you know, you're leaning away. But one of the keys to resolving conflict is to lean in and to listen and to look and to see and have compassion for the other person's point of view. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? Sounds so easy. We know how hard it is to put down our own stuff and lean in and listen to how the other person sees the situation. But this is what God is asking for us in this season. In everything, lean in. So one of the reasons why I feel like I've been in revival my whole life is because when I first came to church, God would tell me little things. You know, I feel like that I'd get this little idea in my head. I didn't hear an audible voice, just a little idea in my head and off I'd run with it. And then I'd come back and report in and they'd all go, oh, that's amazing. And I'd look at them and go, but aren't you having amazing things too? So this was a very interesting thing for me to discover that lots of people who were in church weren't nearly as excited about what God was doing as I was. And I was brand new. So I've seen how important it is to walk alongside people who are new in the things of God. That's, we need to do, be discipling, partnering. Like I always link with someone. Nearly all my Christian life, I have mentored some young person and I've walked with them through things that I could never go through myself and could never have answers for, but watch God change them. And it always built my faith. So revival for me has always meant action. So if I got anything in church, I had to ask God, so what do I do with it? Like, where do I need to take it? And how many of you know me well? Just give me a, give me a, like you've heard me quite a few times. Oh, not that many. Where have you been? Where have I been? All right, all right. So I need to back back just a little bit, don't I? Um, How do I just fill in the gap? Oh, maybe I don't know how to. Maybe you don't need to fill in the gap, all right, if I've got a blank on that. So let's just say I want to give you a couple of places where I've been revived. Okay, what's revival look like? Well, once I went to Toronto myself. Colin and I, when we got married, we had to work pretty hard on our marriage. We married a little bit later in life and we were a bit both in our own ways. And of course, I'd, I'd got completely transformed by God. And then I met Colin, who was wild. That would be just a nice way to sum him up. Wild. And so I had to say, yeah, you're cute, but you're wild. <laughs> and so I wouldn't see him. And I said, the only place that I can see you is at church, because I thought that would get rid of him. <laughs> so you can see that's revival in its own right. 
Like when you're so, um, you're so sure, your, your conviction. I had been praying for a husband for six years. And so when I met Colin, I knew it wasn't him. <laughs> well, it wasn't him in the form he was in at the time. So I met him at the singles party and he wanted to go out with me. And I said, the only place you can see me is at church. And so I took him to those people's church and I was preaching because they'd planted a church. And it was just little and there was no, really no atmosphere, not like this. We had a guitar and a singer. It was pretty good, but you know. Anyway, Colin's sitting on the front row shaking. I'd never seen shaking. But there was Colin, he's sweating through his beautiful IBM blue suit. And I'm really embarrassed because I've taken him to church. And so there's something being revived in the man simply because I knew my boundaries. You know, I knew what God required of me. And He had changed me from being unholy to holy. I had definitely become a born again virgin. I was changed. And you know, this is important to recognise in this day and age that nobody is too far from the transforming power of Jesus. If He could take someone like me out of the nightclubs and turn me around and then take a guy like Colin who was, I'm gonna say 10 times wilder than me and let him come to church. He went to church three weeks in a row because I was preaching three weeks in a row. That was our date. And to be honest, he just got so zapped on the third time in church. He was so zapped. My beautiful friends advised me that I probably shouldn't see him anymore. I went, wow, but I've just got hope now. They're like, you know, we don't want to confuse between what God is doing with him and with how he feels about you. I went, oh, okay. So we cut him loose. He sent him off and he went and got himself a mentor, a discipler. And then he came back one day and said, I'd like to take you out. You know, because I'd put in the boundaries of God. I had listened to my friends who were wiser than me and I'd stepped into that place of purity. So the first date, I said to him, now this is definitely a revival at work. First date, we're out for dinner. I had to get it out, so I just told him, I don't believe in sex before marriage. <laughs> he looked at me and went, what? Oh, I was so sorry, I had to repeat it again. I don't believe in sex before marriage. And he just looked at me, and I'm in my 30s. He just looked at me and he just went, fine. Just, oh my goodness. Just that little moment of not fighting it, just listening. And that was the beginning of our relationship that, well, has been very interesting. How many years married now, hun? 33rd year. You definitely deserve chocolate for that. So, in the middle, here, here we are, somewhere down, further down the track, marriage is growing and I go to Toronto because Colin and I were really hungry for the things of God because if I needed brainwashing, he needed more. And so we kept putting ourselves into every conference environment that we could. Now remember, we lived in conference land. 
I spoke at events. I spoke in corporate conferences. I've actually spoken to two and a half million people face to face, let alone anyone I've spoken to on the media. And only God could do that. Some of the crowds were as big as 30,000 people in arenas in America where they had presidents. And remember that time, Colin, Ray Charles was the opening act and then Vice President Dan Quayle was on and then me. And then you heard the crowd as they introduced me go, Lisa who? Like you literally heard them say it. And you've got to laugh about that because why would God take a mum from Melbourne, Australia and put her into those places? And I truly think it's simply because I trusted Him. If He told me to speak about something, I did. If He told me not to speak, I did. I just listened, I went with the flow. So when He told me, go to Toronto, I went, okay. And Cole couldn't go and I was gonna go speak at a women's conference in Dallas. So I got on the plane and on the plane about halfway to Seattle, because you go Seattle into Toronto, Canada, I discovered I had spots all over me, spots. What do you reckon that is? Chicken pox. I'm like, I'm sure I've had chicken pox as a kid. How did I get chicken pox? Well, the rest of the plane, I put a blanket over my head, the plane trip, and I stayed under the blanket because I thought I could be contagious. Oh, I surely was contagious. And so I'm like, I'm going to Toronto. Well, I'm going to get healed, aren't I? Anyway, so I arrive at the airport. Very careful who I stood close to and I had to make a decision whether I would go to the hotel or to the church. I'm going to church. Now, you know, how much do you trust God? I went to the church, put my suitcase down and they they had this set up where they had all this plastic tape along the floor. They would just line people up because there were hundreds of them. So I went to the back, the very back, the very back line and I just waited as far away from people as I could and the lady eventually got to me to pray and she didn't touch me, she just reached her hand out, which I was glad and she said, Lord, just heal the spots in her life that need healing. (laughs) That was me, I went down like a ton of bricks, I was out on the floor and then I went on to Dallas with my girlfriend, who's over there. <laughs> and we went on and did a women's conference. And you know what? It wasn't a Christian women's conference. It was a business women's conference. But we had seen such amazing things in Toronto. We just lined the women up. We just went, just line up like this. This is how we do it. <laughs> and I look back, I look back because we're pretty funny. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm naive. But at the same time, if I see God do something and I think it's repeatable, I just do it. So I thought, I'll just pray for the the chief lady first. That will be my sign as to whether I'm on track or not. So we just said, we're going to give you a blessing and have a little prayer. And we'd already had some meetings and, you know, we'd already had a great time. So they had some trust with me. Well, I prayed for the lady that had brought me to America and she just crumbled in a pile and laughed for the next two hours. (laughs) And of course, you can imagine that's contagious. There was a breakout of laughter and 
It was one of those crazy events. And I must have spoken for that business couple at least 15 times over the years. And they introduced me to so many American business people that Colin and I spent 10 years working in America for at least probably, what, two months at a time every year. And we used to take his parents and two children under two. Yeah, what was I thinking? Come on. You know, we had little kids and then we'd, as they grew, we just kept travelling. We just kept taking the kids with us. And why did we take the kids with us when we were working? Because one of the, my mentors had said to me, if you feel that what you do is a holy calling, then take the kids with you so they can experience it, to be a part of it, that make it natural and normal to be in the environment where you're trusting God. So I would say that my favourite quote of all is, I trust you, Lord. Everyone say, I trust you, Lord. I mean, how much did we sing that about, I trust you, Lord. I would say that is my major declaration because I got that straight out of the Word of God, didn't I? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your space crooked, straight. Trust in the Lord. Like I really imbibed that into me that if I did anything, I had to go in trust. And you know know where I learnt that? So this is an interesting part of revival. When my marriage was rocky, not, you know, not rocky that we'd break up, just challenging, just challenging trying to figure out. He, he was an engineer and we put our businesses together. We had two babies fast and like life was changing rapidly and it was really difficult. And I love the fact that the women that prayed with me would let me pour out all my woes, bless me and go back into the marriage. Back you go, come on, go and take him the blessing. Go and bless your husband. Go and be a blessing. They never went, oh, you poor thing. Yeah, that's probably not going to work. They never did that. They were always mentoring me how to develop it and grow it. And so that meant that Colin and I, we always saw ourselves as we're the team. And when his parents would travel with us, they're the team. And my parents would mind the kids sometimes at home when we do conferences, they're the team. Everyone was part of the team. And the interesting part was, even when I got baptised, the first time that I had sort of a public declaration of my faith to my family, my family came and my friends came and my best friend gave her heart to the Lord and my brother gave her heart to the Lord and my brother's best friend gave his heart to the Lord and the ricochet, the ripple effect and the ricochet effect of these different people just being open about my faith. Revival was happening in my family. So sometimes you go to a big meeting, but I think revival so often is what we're allowing to awaken in us. And you know what? I get placed in front of big audiences where I truly do not know why they would pick me. You know, I know I have experience, but there are many times where I doubt, why me, why here? And Lord, do I have what it takes? Because they're always new. It's always challenging. I'll give you a little example. Like coming up, I'm going to speak to a big hotel chain next week. And then I'm going to speak to a big accounting firm with 200 inspiring women. It's like, it's daunting. But at the same time, on Thursday night, I spoke to 40 people at the shed. Do you know the shed door in Mitcham? And I think 
that God keeps me trained in the small places. Trust Him in these places. Like at the shed, we were doing Food for Thought. Do you know what Food for Thought is? So Food for Thought's a new program where we just get people to come for dinner or dessert and we just talk about the meaning of life. So it's like a little bit of alpha put in and a few speakers. So it's a new program to try and give churches an opportunity to just do something to invite people in, just to have meaningful conversation. And so I've been speaking in these groups and finding faith for each group. And how did I find that? Because God had tested me in other places. So other ways that I reckon He has challenged my faith and helped me to stay fully awake to Him. So someone asked me, would you come and be the ambassador to prison network ministry? So it's a ministry into the women's prison. And my first response was, oh, do some people know that? Oh, good. So I'm, I, they asked me and I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I don't know anything about prisons. I don't think I could relate to prisoners. Like I was really dead scared. And she said, she was a beautiful, elegant lady from Bowie Baptist. And she says to me, just come and have a look. So by faith, I went in, I had a look at what they did and how they run kids programs and bring the kids to the mums and how they teach them to cook and play volleyball with them. And I thought, yeah, I could probably come back here and speak. I I could possibly do that. And it was frightening. It was frightening for me. But every time I would just say to God, I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes. Why? Because I trust you, Lord. Everyone say, I trust you, Lord. Yeah. And you know what? You need to say it a lot out out loud. Do you know why you need to say it out loud? Because your ears need to hear it. Try it again. I trust you, Lord. Yeah. So in the trusting... Cole and I went, we heard about Pensacola. You ever heard about Pensacola? There was a revival in Pensacola. It's the other end of America. So one was in Canada. One's right down the bottom, like the panhandle. And Cole and I, who had discovered that we had a daughter in America. Long story, long, long story. Maybe we'll tell it tonight. And Colin and I went to Pensacola. And we queued up with thousands of people in the car park for, I don't know, two hours before the meeting started, just so you could get in. And we were stunned. We were stunned at what we saw. We were stunned at the healing. We were stunned at the people who were just getting off drugs. We were stunned at the people whose addictions were falling off them. We were stunned at everything we saw. We could hardly comprehend that God would do what He was doing. And why this church? That's why I went, why that church? Like why Asbury in America? I don't know why. Except that the people were willing. I reckon that's it. The people were willing and the people saying, I want to be fully awake. So an opportunity came when Rodney Howard Brown went to Madison Square Gardens. Do any of you remember that? So Rodney Howard Brown had got this direction from God to go and do a revival in New York City And our pastors had been incredibly supportive of Rodney. And so we, as leaders in our church, said, well, I think we should go too. So we went to New York City and watched as the people didn't show up. We went, like, I mean, we think there's probably 10,000 there, but it was in Madison Square Gardens, which is massive. So it didn't look like there was a crowd. 
We would look at each other and Reinhard Bonnke was speaking and T.D. Jakes and remarkable people and the people of New York City, the churches did not support it. So my heart was, oh, what's happening here? But you know that the people each day, the 10,000 that were in the arenas would go out onto the streets and tell people about Jesus. And they had about... 140,000 people say yes to Jesus. Like just walking around the streets, praying with them. That's a lot of people over. I'm going to say it was maybe nine days. Anyway, as you know, 18 months later, the towers came down. So think about the context. Only on reflection did Colin, I realise that we were part of a miracle that was so big and that it was such a big trust step for Rodney Howard Brown to follow through, especially when he got pushed back from everybody. And yet he followed through the funding it would have required to go, we're going to keep going. God, God's saying yes, we're going to go. And I just love the fact that for some reason, the people in our world said, yes, God, we trust you. And a group of us went in. You know, sometimes it's going to be tough and it's not going to look like the way you want it to look. But God will always vindicate those who just say, yes, Lord, I trust you. Because you know what? I had to say, yes, Lord, I trust you in regards to my husband who did need a major makeover. Like, you know, My husband is the most gorgeous man that you could imagine now. But it wasn't the man I met and he will happily... Admit that, because he is a walking, talking miracle of God. And he walks alongside men who are like him. He's done that his whole Christian walk. So revival for him has been always helping others wake up to the things of God by simply walking with them. Where do you need to wake up? Where do you need to shake up? So can I just get you to shake your hands like this? So if I'm in a conference, I love getting people to shake. Because, you know, sometimes you come out of a business meeting and that's all you want to do, shake it off. And I've been doing this long before Taylor Swift. And I would just get them to shake like that. Like, you know, when you've got stuff in your life, you've got things happening, there's got stuff, you've got sin in your life. Sometimes you do need to do a physical sign and go, I am going to shake this off. I'm not keeping it. And every time you feel tempted, you shake again. And sometimes you you need to do this. (laughs) Like, you know, some of our stuff is so controlling, you need to shake, baby shake. (laughs) A bit like Bobby Houston used to say, you know, pray, baby, pray. You know, and that's the other thing. When Bobby Houston asked me, a corporate speaker, to speak at Colour Conference, I just went, oh God, does she know what she's doing? I was terrified because I love God and I love God's people, but I did not think I was ready to speak at a big Christian conference. And I thought, oh, oh, oh. And I remember all my girlfriends came and everyone prayed for me. I was dead scared. But God moved so beautifully because all I had to do was say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. And you know, after I spoke at Colour, I spent the next three years speaking at women's conferences. 
And let me just put that into context for you. The financial crisis, we'd got through it, but the towers had come down and that meant every speaker's conference was off. There was no travel, there was no business and all our work in America just went down the gurgler. And suddenly, I had three years of speaking in church. Like while all my peers were not working, God had opened a whole nother door for me. And I must have spoke, well, I can't even count. Colin had been to more women's conferences than any woman in the country. (laughs) True, isn't it, Cole? Like so many. And you know, out of that came so much work for the future because those women were women in companies and businesses and places of influence who then trusted me to come into their work and that my, my speaking has always just been my ministry. I've known that I don't have what it takes without Him. And I remember one of the women saying to me, Lisa, pick a goal that's so big that if God's not in it, it's doomed to fail. He said, you'll never do what you want to do without Him. I said, the only things I want to do is the things that He's put in my heart to do. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. One other scripture I wanna leave with you that has ruled my whole life. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. For a little bit, be anxious for a little bit. Be anxious for your kids, what do you reckon? Be anxious for your husband. Be anxious for your family. Come on, you think about that. Be anxious for nothing. So my mother was a warrior and my mother was a magnificent woman encouraging young mums to build business. But she got to a point where the load was all too much and the anxiety just took her out. And I knew what anxiety could do. And so this was really important for me. That when I was saying, I trust you, Lord, because I am anxious for nothing. And I had to tell myself when the anxiety was bubbling up, bubbling up, I'm anxious for nothing. I have stood side stage in front of huge crowds and my husband has held my hand and he has prayed for me side stage. He knew I was just shaking to my boots and he would just bless me and send me on and God would do whatever God had to do. So... I'm looking at that clock, so I guess that means I'm over time, Pastor Lee. Can I ask you whether you want to allow the wind of God to blow through your life? That's the way I see it. You know, I was at a Rodney Howard Brown meeting and literally I'm in the meeting and I heard a wind like the upper room. Like I thought the whole room heard it. I'm on the floor face down and it was so loud. And then Rodney called me out to pray for me. And you know what it's like, have you ever gone down? Who's ever gone down? Like you just feel so heavy, you can't stand up. Who's had that experience? Yeah, well, I didn't do that. I fell face forward. Like I literally just went, never hurt myself, nothing. Just out, out in the Spirit of God. But I got up a new woman. And I'm just like, I can't tell you 
that there's never a point in my life where I've got to and I've said, well, I don't need any more of God. I'm more hungry for God now for the next two decades of my life. I plan to speak until I die. Like this is my calling to encourage people, to tell the story that God has done in my life. Um, Colin, have you got a few things that I could just give to the people, please? Can you just grab something? I was busy writing notes. Don't you, I love the fact my husband has sat through 32 years of presentations and he takes notes for me. Like, nobody cares. Nobody wants to help you grow like your number one fan. And do you know what, to have a husband that allows me to be the public face and yet does all the work in the background. I always reckon he does all the work and I get all the credit. Thank you. So I just, I just want to gift, I just want to gift a few people with some encouragement, all right? Because every book I've ever written has been a miracle. And any time I ever try to write a book on my own, I can't. So I've had seven bestsellers and three complete duds. Like when God gives me an idea, I follow it and it works. And when I have an idea, it takes up a lot of time and money. So I've, lo- I've learned through life to listen and be obedient and put my money and my energy and my effort behind it. My first two books were published, but I sold more than the publisher ever sold. We had to buy them back. So I want you to get, sometimes when God puts a God idea into you, you've got to trust Him for the finances to take it forward. If you wait for other people to get it, you could be waiting a long time. So these books that I have written have been a gift from God. When I wrote this one, I'm a walking, talking miracle. This was the second book I'd ever written. It was for little children and I didn't have one of my own. So what did I know about kids? The Joint Board of Christian Education bought this and said, we're gonna edit three words. I went, I could have done that. And this book literally has been around for a whole generation. The people in my audiences now in business will look at this book and go, oh, I was raised on that book. So I am gobsmacked at what God does with an idea. So is there anyone that has a primary school child that really needs some encouragement right now? I would like to give that to you. I'll see you first. All right, right up the end of the aisle. Thanks, Richelli. Look, the lady, I think she was right at the end on the, with white pants on. And then this one is called The Radical Rev Up. And I wrote this, and this is really a Christian book between nine and 15 year old, even though I always write everything for the secular world because it's, it introduces kids to the idea that you're a GMH. You're a God-made human. And you need to know how to fuel yourself up. So if you've got a child between probably nine and 15 who really needs some um, self-encouragement, yeah, okay, come on, come on, that's for you. Thank you. It's lovely to be able to gift people something. Now this one's been a hoot. This one's got how to motivate, manage and market yourself. It's sold the most because it's a business book. And I only wrote one chapter, the motivation chapter. But you know what? God got these other two guys to contribute their piece and it has gone all over the world. So I don't know if you're in a place where you want to start a business, just want to get started. So 
two people. Yeah, there's a lady wants to get started and, and one right here. Beautiful. So lady in the second row there. And lady, I think you've got dark hair. Put your hand up. So stand up so she can see you. Do I have time to give these away, Pastor Lee? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. This one's called keeping couples cooking nothing to do with the kitchen. So this is to encourage couples. This is to remind you that you're not very far away from the goodness of God. Do you know, He can fix marriages. And Cole and I, we've walked alongside a lot of marriages that look incredibly, incredibly messy. And we have seen that God can fix any marriage if you will start with one thing to bless the other person, just one thing. So maybe you know someone, yeah, this lady's putting her hand up. She's going, that's me. Okay, two front, look, that gentleman and the lady behind, right there. Oh, okay, okay. This gentleman here. Yeah, Richella just said, they'll, they'll, if you want one of these and you really want, Colin's got some out there that you can purchase. Will you give him a good deal, Colin? A very good deal. What are you going to do? Oh, anything for $20. Okay, beautiful. That's beautiful. Good, good, good. And this one, now this is really interesting because this was the very first God idea that I thought wouldn't work. He said, just capture the quotes that you love. And it's called the mood maker, build a brighter day. Red if you want inspiration. Green if you have a sense that you've got it need humour, you lost your sense of humour. Blue if you need to calm down. White if you need to think clearly. And yellow if you need to be an optimist. Come on, who needs these? Yes. So I printed that and that took off. That just went everywhere. And then I came up with another one called Life Lifter. And then we did the Keeping Couples Cooking. And you know, I'm astounded. Every publisher said this book won't work because it's got wire binding. And I said, the, the reason this will work is because it's usable. They said, yeah, but it doesn't sell on the shelves. It hasn't got a spine. But I'm here to tell you that God can use any idea He gives you. So um, I might just give those to you, Rochelle. If that, we can give them to whoever you like. And I, I just want to finish off with a prayer, if that's all right. So if everyone would just open their hands like this. You're just sitting there. You can rest them on your legs. You can do whatever you're comfortable with. We're just going to ask for the Holy Spirit to just blow through your life, all right? Father God, we come here by faith. We have worshipped You. We've loved You. We've listened. But when it's all said and done, the only one we really want to hang out with is You. That makes us nicer to hang out with everyone else. So we're just asking that You would blow through our life. Make us aware of the stuff that needs to go. Make us aware of the things that we need to change. I do know that a sign of revival is when you repent. And my girlfriend and I have always said, keep short accounts, repent fast. So while you're standing there, while sitting there, just repent, just tell God what you're sorry for. Just inside, just tell Him, these are the things I'm sorry for. Anything that comes to mind, He's a very good prompter. Lord, we just thank You that You wipe our sin as far as the East is from the West. You remove it from our lives so that we can be clean, white, pure, holy, all the things that the Spirit of God makes us. We now just repent. So anything that comes to mind, irritability, crankiness, um, 
judgment. Oh my goodness, we're just, Lord, help us not to judge anybody. Help us to let go of judgment and love people where they're at. Help us, Lord, to just put our arms around people in the middle of their hurt. Thank You, Father, that there is not one of us that deserves You more than another, that we are on equal footing here, but we love one another. And we thank You, Father, as You blow through us in the Name of Jesus. And the people said, Amen. Can I just ask you, if you if you just done that, you haven't done that before, just give me a little wave like this. Because I would love to just pray with you later. Just give me a little, yep, so that I know. Because at the end, it's always good to have a little encounter and just have a prayer together. And if you would like that, I'm just gonna wait. Well, that all right, that was wait down there. And just just pray for you. Because there's something about having a heart-to-heart connection that you'll mark this day and go, yeah, I've started again. This is a press the reset button and start again day. So anyone wants to do that, come on down there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to see you tonight. Love you. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about Fire Church, head to our website, firechurch.com.au. And don't forget to connect with us on social media, on Instagram, fire.church, Facebook, Fire Church, and YouTube, Fire Church TV. Have a blessed week.